Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's fine. No, that, yeah, that's fine. You can watch that movie. Yeah, whatever, sure. What? 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 How many of you have had a scene like that play out in your house, right? We, we all suffer a little bit from uh, P, well, we'll, call it, we'll call it PDLD, Permanently Distracted Listening Disorder. Permanently Distracted Listening Disorder, where we're sort of always in multiple conversations at the same time. The other night, my daughter was trying to talk to me earnestly about something, but I was getting text messages that our, that our family friend who had been with us had had their flight canceled, and so I'm kind of like in one conversation and talking, uh, you know. So whether the reasons are good or bad, again, we're rarely ever focused listeners. Jesus today talks about the power of good listening, about the power of empathetic, careful, focused listening. And he does so within the context of restoring a group, a family, a congregation after there's been conflict. And he talks about the power of listening to create relationship and reconciliation. So Jesus says, look, when somebody does something wrong to you, you need to go to that person alone. You don't want to shame them. You go to them alone and then you share with them. And then Jesus says, and this is, just, this is mind-blowing. If you, if you really just stop and think about this, Jesus says, if he or she listens to you, you have regained that brother or sister. Jesus does not say if they agree with you. Jesus does not say if they change their mind, if they repent, if they change how they're living. He just simply says, if they listen to you, you have regained them as a brother or sister. And that's what this whole passage is about, building on Jesus finding the lost sheep, about restoring relationship, bringing people back together. Now, we had a lot of kids start Sunday school. The youth were so helpful there, uh, making the pancakes and sausage. And so I, I want to give some future relationship advice to all the young people today. Because all the people that are in a relationship are professionals, so they already know exactly what I'm going to, to say here. Because it may happen that one day, well, it will happen one day, you will be in a relationship with a significant other, maybe a spouse, you'll get married, and uh, you will find yourself in an argument. And you will realize at some point you actually do not remember anymore what the argument was about. But you know you have to win. And what's going to happen then is that you are going to imagine that there is a, an invisible jury of people and that your job is to score points with the invisible jury rather than talk to the person you're actually speaking to. Anybody ever done this? No, you don't, don't, don't even raise your hands, right? We all, we all know. And it turns out after the conversation, the invisible jury goes away and the angry spouse remains, right? This is, not, this is not a productive way forward or the angry teen or parent or sibling or friend, right? And so what happens is that Jesus is saying here, look, you know, we sometimes talk about what would Jesus do? I want to say, how would Jesus listen? And, and Jesus is, would actually be listening to bring about reconciliation, this doesn't mean that hard, truthful words aren't spoken, but the point of speaking is not to inflict injury, is not to score points with a mythical sort of choir there, but to try to build a bridge and understand where the other person is coming from. So Jesus today is talking about the power of listening to recreate, to renew relationships, and that's certainly then a word that I think all of us feel challenged, if not indicted by. But Jesus actually turns up the heat a little bit on us. 
And uh, he says that eventually it can be that if, that if somebody doesn't respond, that, well, they have to leave the fold of the people whom you really treasure in your heart. What is striking, though, is that the criteria for having somebody removed from fellowship is not any matter of doctrine. It is not a matter of confessional or creedal subscription. It is also not a matter of how they live their life. The singular criteria for saying that somebody is no longer in fellowship is that they're not listening anymore. And the word there for listening that Jesus uses in this, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating word and it's a humbling word because it actually literally means in Greek to listen aside to somebody. In other words, not really, what, not really focusing. The only criteria for removal from fellowship is when people will no longer listen to each other. And I have to say, I've seen this play itself out. Uh, every now and then as a church, we'll get an email or a phone call or even somebody will come up to me and say, Pastor Rob, what do you think or what does your church teach about X, Y, or Z social issue? Whatever the issue in the paper is. And this summer, I got, I got two emails from people asking what our church said about something. And I knew this is a contentious issue, so I said, this is such a contentious issue. I do not want to have this uh, over email. I don't want to have my words misunderstood, and I want to hear your experience. So could we meet face-to-face to talk about this? Well, one person was very conservative. The other was very liberal. And they both came back to me and said, you are not doing your job as a pastor. I will not meet up with you because you are not clear in what you teach. I said, I just wanted to talk face-to-face about this. Again, when people aren't willing to listen, you can't be in fellowship with each other. Two other people in the church come to me this summer, and they say, Pastor, I want to know what, we, what you and what we think about such and such an issue. And I say, well, let's meet up. In both cases, we talked for well over an hour. And it was clear in the conversation that we didn't always agree with one another. But we shared, and we said, this is how sort of I see the Bible. This is how this issue, I've seen it in, in different points in my life. This is why I've come to the place where I'm at with it. This is where I see the, the conflict in Scripture and in the world. In both conversations, I came out enriched by them. And I also came out in the end with both people. As it turns out, one was very progressive and one was very conservative. We didn't fully agree, but what we felt was that we had been heard. We felt that we had actually listened to one another and had openly shared sort of our thoughts about how the Bible relates to to real life. And in the end, both of those people are still in fellowship here. Again, there's a way in which the, the inability to listen is toxic to a community, is toxic to relationships. And so we're called, especially in contrast often the way the world works, of just people shouting at each other all the time. You know, this church, I think, is known in the community for, for the uh, early learning center here, the fact that we have a food bank, more and more for the flowers and the solar panels and the sacred ground. But I'd love, I'd love if what we were known for is that we were really good listeners. Wouldn't that be cool? Like, oh, you go to St. Paul, oh, I hear people there are really good listeners. That, that would be beautiful, wouldn't it? But so there's a real power of listening to create and sustain communities through division and through tension. Now, this fall, we're going to be reflecting on the gap between Sunday and Monday, sort of between the way that the the Bible and Jesus and all his teachings about love work and the reality that we often face. So there's a lot of ambiguity and conflict and heartache. And right, just again, that, that tension. 
And I think, again, around listening, we, we know that there's this incredible tension here between the way the world just sort of everything goes sort of from uh, shout to explosion to fragmentation rather than listening to fellowship to communion. But, but it's also that when we, when we are really... Um, when we're really then struggling to, to listen to each other, well, things break down. And so then there's this challenge by us to bridge this Sunday to Monday gap and to practice that listening in the real world, in the real life, where it doesn't always work that way. What I want to say, though, is that we're not alone in this effort to try to make it work with other people. And that's why I wanted you to hear this story about conflict within the context of the Good Shepherd. You see, it's God's good pleasure that we would finally all get along. We're all God's children, and there's, there's a joy of parents wanting their children to get along. And God has this glorious vision that one day, through the power of the cross, that, that one day we'll all get along. But we know that we're not quite, quite there yet. But you see, Jesus is the one who, as the Good Shepherd, is, is searching the lost and so what happens that in, in our lives, although we're given this process and these tools of listening of how to create reconciliation, ultimately the reconciling work that we do in life is always just coming alongside the already existing movement of God, right? Jesus is already at work as the good shepherd bringing about a new relationship. And our job is to just listen, listen for the winds and the spirit of reconciliation working. So... Many years ago, uh, I was a pastor, and I had to uh, terminate the employment of the first person that I had to as a pastor. It was very uncomfortable. And it was of, a, of a, a teenager who really had done some inappropriate things. And it was very difficult because this person's grandparents were prominent members of the church. And I didn't want to shame her before her grandparents say, this is what happened, so I kind of had to be really quiet about it, which led, of course, to the grandparents being very upset with me. Well, a few months later, we're sort of living in this tension, and I'm kind of struggling and striving, wanting to be their pastor still. Well, a few months later, there's a funeral, and the grandmother is a musician, and our regular musician couldn't play, so I had to go to this grandma who's mad at me and say, I know you're mad at me, but can you play piano for a funeral? And uh, she was honored. She said, yes, of course, she was a good person. The funeral went really well, and afterwards, we, we didn't really talk about the issue, but we just kind of recognized that I was still their pastor, and we were, we were okay with things. And a few months later, I was at the grandmother's house eating very good chocolate cake with peanut butter frosting. <laughs> As Christians, we live in this world, though, where, again, faith is not yet sight, where there is a gap of Sunday and Monday. And I think all of you have at least one relationship in your life where it's not sort of where it wants to be. Where you're somewhere in this Matthew 18, but you're not at the point yet of together rejoicing. Again, we, we all have these relationships, these sort of fragmented uh, parts of the community that we're a part of. And so the good news is that we, we come here this day, and we don't hear from Jesus that it's all just going to be taken care of like that. What we hear about is that Jesus is binding and loosing. And today, when, when you can confess your sins there, it turns out that Jesus, as the good shepherd, is a very good listener. In fact, he's, he's such a good listener that he is more than simply empathetic. When Jesus listens to you, he not only, again, 
feels what you're feeling, but he actually binds your sins to himself. Again, Jesus is such a good listener that he takes the sorrow that you have, he takes the mistakes that you have, and it's more than mere neurons for Jesus. He literally internalizes your sin into his body. He binds it to himself that it may die on the cross with him. That he then can free you. He has freed you today. He has set you free. And so that that internal defense lawyer who always just wants to come to your rescue in an argument and stop you from listening to other people. You can tell that defense lawyer to, to sit down and to not bill you any hours today because the verdict is already in. God's going to forgive us. And then we can have the patience, the patience knowing that Jesus is with us even in the midst of life's ambiguities the patience to wait until God's reconciling love shows up and we can live another day. Thanks be to God. Amen.